Hello there, this is Stuart Davidson and this is the Construction Cashflow Show and this evening I'm interviewing Mark Austin and Mark is a change management expert. Mark's had a long career, 25 years as senior leader in construction industry. His passion for improving and transforming the industry culminated in the establishment of Austin Wright Limited and he's here to talk to us about innovation and how he helps his customers to implement change with a people first and technology second approach so mark what services you're offering what challenges that you're looking to provide solutions for what it is product and service that you can provide your your clients with at, at this time um, so sort of three areas really are focus on and um, the first is clearly with a long background of leadership and uh, roles in innovation and infrastructure it's helping companies out where they may have a need or a challenge and, and just doing some consultancy work so that's part of it mm-hmm. um, second part is helping people manage change so if a company's got a particular challenge or how you might think about going and dealing with change management um, there are a couple of other things that we do um, so one is we work with companies to look at research and development and what they're doing and I work with a company called Rift um, who are consultants in that area and they can help companies release cash so if they're doing genuine research and development they can get a tax credit back um, so simple things that can help yeah definitely and the sort of tools that we might be talking about here they may qualify um, not so they will but they may Absolutely, yeah. And they're really the things I'm focusing on, but that's not a scalable business with just me and some help around. So what we're also doing is developing a software tool. So how can we use some of this 21st century stuff to help manage change? Yeah. So we now have a working prototype, which I'm road testing at the moment with external events that are going on in the world. And as we know, some pretty challenging stuff. Mm, absolutely. But I'm using it as a, a case study just to prove that a lot of time it's external chain that's mm. costing you. Mm. And how do you manage it effectively? And how, when it gets through it, how do you come back out of it? And why did you make those decisions at the time you did? That's really interesting, really interesting, you know, because as, as we were saying earlier, you know, I find as a quantity surveyor, um, it is those external challenges that actually change the cost of the project. You know, we can start off with a, a, a square metre rate or a, a unit rate for an item. But that unit rate changes the moment something changes to affect the circumstances upon which you're going to carry out that work. And I find quite often it's sequencing is the big thing, whereas you might start with a price bill of quantities. And if the sequencing is different or the sequencing gets changed, an item which is five pound per meter square becomes 15 pound a meter square. You know, and then this is why I think some projects go over budget. They get the tenders or it's tendered or it's uh, estimated at the beginning, but maybe not enough. Uh, thought around external fact how are the external factors going to affect that rate okay. um, 
planning is a really great example. So we all know the planning process is complex, take a long time. And then you've got one is what you started with, what you ended up with for the last planning submission, which may be different. You then get the conditions that go with the approval, which may put additional constraints or um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Or condition precedents on starting. Mm, yeah. So it could be, I don't know, surveys for ecology. It could be approval of a section 278 and doing some roadworks before you can start. Mm. So then that's another complexity. And then from that, you've then got a discharge of condition. So that may bring in some other changes. Mm. So before you've even started doing it on the project, you could have gone through four changes. Yeah. And it may not affect the material numbers greatly, as in steel, concrete, reinforcement. Yeah. But it may have drastically increased the amount of design time. Because you may have already gone through two or three iterations. Yeah, absolutely. And how, what would be, um, what would your advice to be? So we're planning a project and uh, we're looking at all the traditional uh, approaches to planning a project. We're developing a program, we're doing a bill of quantities, we're working out the prices, etc. Uh, what else do you think we could bring in terms of project planning? around how we manage how how we might envisage what changes might might come into that you know might affect that project you know so is there any way we can we can kind of plan and say right okay you know this is the project but these are external factors that we could factor in now so that we can manage them as we go along uh, this is the really challenging question mm. and if we can get to that place uh, we'll be much better off for it yeah definitely i think with the tools we have we could start to look at what are typical planning conditions that we know are going to happen mm-hmm. yeah so it might be a bream assessment ecology studies now we know what times of year we can do all these things so you should be able to have a real good stab at when you can realistically start then there are going to be ones that are bespoke. There are going to be ones that are specific for that use case. And those are ones that you want to concentrate on, but not get distracted by the other ones that are stuff we have to do all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So and I think that's where tools, if you start to track it um, and compare, you'll then start to get a picture. And there are some really great tools that are, out there that are really pushing that mm. um using ai so a couple that would spring to mind are nplan and nodes and links who are doing some really advanced stuff on program analysis and they're starting to compare and contrast hundreds if not thousands of projects from um schedules so i know nplan quite well Mm-hmm. So they, I think, have over 4 million objects in their database from programs. And they are running algorithms to look at 
the difference between the start and the finish um, as planned versus ad bill. And mm-hmm. then from that, trying to predict how long it should take and effectively doing a really sophisticated Monte Carlo analysis yeah. on the yeah, likely outcomes. That's really, really interesting. I think that AI and using the machine learning and this kind of thing is is the way of the future. I think it's going to be something that you know construction can really use to its advantage. I think there's a lot of times, you know, we're still using, as you say, 20th century, 19th, 20th century methods to run projects when we've got uh, tools like that that can be used as predictive, particularly if we're doing a sequence of projects um, or a certain type of project, you know, and then it can start to learn and predict and that become more and more accurate. So I think there's other tools um, such as Disperse, which are looking at um, using computer vision to measure what you've done mm-hmm. on projects yeah. um, and link it to the program. Uh, you've got other work that's being done by people like Martin Paver, his project data analytics community. And he's looking at setting up data trusts. So basically, anybody who wants to be part of a um, trust gives their information to it and then they can pool it with other contractors, other clients to try and gain insight from a wider pool. That sounds really interesting. That's amazing. That really does sound like a step forward, you know, step into the right direction of being able to share data and use use it to the best advantage. And um, one of the things I've been looking at in terms of payments and, and, and cash flow uh, and, and, and my uh, background profession is that uh, the concept of micro milestone payments and quite you know traditionally we we had my milestone payments related to a large chunk of the work or a large element or we might have periodic payments where we're saying I oh, will value the work each month but it's not necessarily particularly accurate and it also lends itself to long payment periods so, you know, from the top down, the payment periods get longer and longer. So something I was kind of looking at, the possibility of micro milestones. So you're measuring the work much sooner. So maybe on a, on a weekly basis, this is all uh, to try and get the cash flow moving much quicker to make sure we got the resources moving quicker and getting into people's bank accounts much quicker, albeit might be smaller chunks, but more more regularly. And uh, so it's looking at, but the the, the the challenge with that is, is the cost of measuring the works on a weekly basis or measuring those micro milestones. So we might say, OK, one of the mile, milestones, we're going to be looking at this on a area to area. So, for example, if we chopped the, the, the project up into to small geographic locations and looked at, OK, what is the progress of each trade within that? particular area and that becomes a milestone which would be great and could be computerized but the thing is with it is how we physically measure that on site you know traditionally so there are yeah. tools that do this yeah and so if we take bim uh, i priced my first job using bim in 2011 Wow. We estimated yeah. a project and the quantities from yeah. a, a very early stage BIM model, mm-hmm. but we did it off the BIM model. BIM model did the 
did take off. Mm -hmm. So this stuff is doable. So if you look at some of the work that's going to come out of high speed two, um, where they are looking at true digital end to end construction. Mm -hmm. So you design it digitally, you build it digitally, you verify it digitally and you get paid. Mm. So as you've completed the work um, and verified it digitally, it's complete. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You get paid on what's been completed. Yeah. So there are some verification tools um, and I will declare an interest. I work with one of them. Um, but disperse and what they are doing is genuinely from a 360 video camera, just a picture, mm -hmm. week by week, they'll compare what's been built. Wow, that's amazing. That's a big step forward, a really big step forward. And so these tools are using the 21st century technology. Mm, yeah. So I remember trialing it two years ago my mm -hmm. previous role and we had some vandalism one weekend and we weren't sure what to do but we remembered on the friday we'd done a scan and this is not a complicated scan mm -hmm. literally a picture with yeah. the next room picture up to the cloud we did exactly the same thing monday after the vandalism and by 12 o'clock the following lunchtime we had a full video uh, damage report. Wow, that is amazing. Because we could see yeah. between the two whether it was a five gram problem, 10 gram yeah. problem, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So is it one or two doors or was it much bigger? Yeah. So that enabled us to give a snapshot of work out whether we needed to notify it, insurers, mm. uh, or it was a problem we have to deal with ourselves or whatever, mm. it informed our decision process. We still yeah. want to go through a process. Yeah, yeah. So you, when you start to see that sort of use case, mm. you know, that really starts to help you. Yeah. And I think the way I would sum it up was, it was a light bulb moment for me when I said, you've given me something I've never had. And he said, what's that? So, well, the truth on where the project is. Mm. Because I know, because it's verified against the model, yep. what actually has been complete. Yep. Whether it's 37.5% or 60% or whatever the number is. Absolutely, yeah. And can you tell from that uh, type of software uh, whether the work, so for example, if you were measuring work or measuring po progress, could, could you could you tell from a, a, a software like that whether that work is actually built to the specification and drawings and it's actually been correctly installed? And that's where we're going. Mm -hmm. So it's basically built the approved drawings, a virtual model. And what it will, what these tools will do will just tell you what's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we come back to our change point. It may be that it's been changed. Yeah. Yes. But it will just say it's different. Mm. It doesn't say it's wrong. Yeah. It says it's different. Yeah. And therefore, you would give you a spotlight to go and have a look and investigate. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you're really only you're only really having to investigate the things that are different rather than going and having a look to see if everything's the same. <laughs> if you see what I mean. Yeah. Exactly. So it's less time expended so you can pinpoint where it needs to be, where you need to look at. And, you know, quite I, I should imagine 80 percent of the time you'll know. Yeah, well, we know that's going to be different because, you know, so you exactly. Know. But there was one case sticks in my mind um where the corridor hadn't progressed two weeks and it was all held up on a detail for a riser which meant yep. none of the second fix of the blaster boards and uh light fittings and all that could be done mm. but it was only because it was on stop for two weeks running yeah well why is that mm. yeah and it was one tq that hadn't been answered yeah and that's holding the whole thing up so that that's the importance of change control isn't it really drive home in change control Um, i think there's two parts that we always forget one is the cause and one is the effect yeah and we always spend a long time on the effect yeah do we really understand the cause Mm. and quite often on a traditional project we never do get to the bottom of the cause do we you know unless we've got these tools to measure and we're doing that on a regular basis then sometimes it gets the calls gets lost doesn't it because it gets clouded and the work progresses and moves on and the and the original calls gets clouded and very difficult to identify the facts around it i think it's compounded as well Mm. you get talk about this all day but you get one change which then another one comes on top of it so the first one might not have been a problem second one starts to compound mm. you get a third one on it mm. all of a sudden it goes huge yeah yeah so you get the compound nature as well absolutely yeah and and i think if you don't keep if you don't catch them as they go along then then you know you it's almost impossible to unravel isn't it you know and i think that's where a lot of disputes end up is because the facts get buried not because someone's burying them is because things move on you haven't picked up what actually happened or what the actual cause was or that what compounded the cause or what part of that campaign can compounding effect actually ended up with the the overall effect of of what it had and and i think that what you're doing um, mark in terms of change control is much needed and also bringing it into the 21st century using the right tools and how we can manage projects much better is absolutely fantastic and it's kind of parallels in what i'm trying to achieve in terms of how we structure how the industry pays for its products and services how the supply chain gets paid and how we move that cash through the system much quicker. And I can yep. see that these type of tools could make a, a massive amount of difference. I think there are two issues with cash flow, and we've had this discussion before. Mm. Um, one is about the measured work you've done, and the other is the work you've done you haven't yet measured. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, or understand. Mm you've been instructed and most of the time the clients don't realize the amount of change they've instructed mm-hmm. and then we have a discussion um, and there's always a way through it but if you want to get the cash flow you need to understand what you've been paid to build mm. and what you've built absolutely yeah yeah and what um, 
and I think that's where we need to we're definitely going to need to look at using more sophisticated tools I think going forward and uh, be a lot more stream streamlined and be more well, accurate about how we measure stuff and I'm very mindful that I've worked in large infrastructure projects mm. where you can do this sort of stuff yeah and not all projects are the same mm. long durations um you haven't got the overhead on site to be able to manage these tools mm. and i think as we get through the next three five years the tools will become a bit more integrated mm-hmm. when i come back they all do one thing really well yeah and how do you get two three four five to combine yeah so that you get the real value mm. at a cost effective point yeah exactly and the period we're in at the moment i believe personally we will see such progress in r&d technology um use of tools so let's throw ourselves back six weeks Stuart. Mm. we probably would have met to do this yeah yeah exactly yeah, absolutely. So we're, you know, we're all getting, everybody's getting used to doing these online meetings and using online tools. And actually the nation is becoming more, well, I think it's dragged people into the 21st century in a way that we weren't doing online meetings before. I, um, one of the things I do, I go to Toastmasters meeting, which you always meet together and it's a, it's kind of a speakers uh, training uh, group. And that group is now doing online meetings can you believe on on um on, on a zoom meeting and it's gone from being a little group in the quakers hall in maidstone to now having people from all over the world joining in the meeting yes, so it's it's like um, absolutely amazing how things have changed you know um something i wanted to ask you actually and then going coming back to you know talking about this current situation with the clo- the shutdown and we know that there are businesses uh, construction sites uh, still going on where they can and we've seen the fast track work that they've done with the nightingale wards and things like that so there are projects going but there's a lot of projects that are slowing down or closed or shut down what do you think we can or would need to be done? Because at some point in the future, maybe whether it's a two months or three months or four months, they're, they're going to have to regroup and come back and start off where they left off. You know, and I, you know, I would hope that a lot of contracts or contractors would have taken stock, drawn a line in the sand, measured where they're up to. But they've got to go back and, and, and pick things up again. And and in terms of ch- and, and that's a change, isn't it? It's kind of a, a change because, um, you know, contractors, subcontractors, the supply chain, uh, are they in this? You know, are they still going to be in the position they were in uh, uh, in, in a couple of months time to come back and pick that work up? But, um, you know, how do you think that uh, managing change or something we could do to help pick these sites up again i mean where do you think the starting point would be you know to to get them back okay guys we need to pick this up again and i think being a professional person i think the work that the construction leadership council are doing with seeker build uk and all of the federations should really be our first port of call to answering them. Mm, yeah, 
Because I wouldn't want to comment and make something that wasn't right. Yeah. And I think the collective view that's currently going on, and Seeker in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, really good. So Civil Engineering Contractors Association are publishing daily guidance. Yeah. So I think as the situation develops, that's a great place to start. Mm, and with the Construction Leadership Council aligned, I think looking at those tools, um, that information that's coming out and guidance will start to inform us. I have seen this week from insurers some really great resources on what you might want to do mm-hmm. and things to think of. Yeah. Uh, and of course, every site will be different. Um, and I haven't really got my head into not having a live site to manage anymore. Um, I haven't really got into my thought process about the restart. Mm. Um, maybe three or four months' time, uh, we shall see. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's complex. Mm. Um, I do, coming back to my art, I am part of a retail business as well and from that environment it's if we're not safe to to operate mm-hmm. we don't yeah yeah I, and i think it'll be the same coming back out oh absolutely we've got, yeah we still got people self-isolating etc then we're not safe to open yeah absolutely i haven't got I haven't got a more uh, considered answer than that. Yeah, I think we're all kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot of thinking and, and, and you're quite rightly, you know, Construction Leadership Council, Seeker and people like that. So for listeners, you know, to, to you know, they're thinking about, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to start up? What's going to happen? Then they can follow those organisations, follow their what they're, what they're issuing to try, you know, so that they keep uh, abreast of, of the latest guidance and, um uh, and developments really. Uh, yeah, CITB have got a good resource as well. Yeah. Um, on this specific issue. Yeah. So, uh, so it's interesting times. I think things are changing. I think it's a catalyst for change as well. And you know, it's difficult times for everyone at the moment. But surely, I think there'll be opportunities uh, coming out of this. You know, for businesses to to regroup, reshape, and to do things uh, in in a new ways a new innovative way so yeah so that's really interesting mark and it's really interesting to talk about change control innovation how we can manage things how we can take things forward what tools we can use and it's nice to talk about that because often uh on 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 construction uh, people ask about it but not necessarily know where to begin to look or know what's available you know so at least we're getting to a point where we're saying yeah there are things avail- uh, available you know, it's still it's still in a state of development. Um, you can get some funding if you're if for research and development, and maybe that's something people can look at look at investing in. You know, particularly at this time where sites, you know, maybe sites are not so productive. It's a bit more time. Maybe they can start to look at some research and development into these things to to move the industry on. I mean, so, I'm, yeah, uh, from one of the seeker publications yesterday, uh, there was a great resource on free each learning so i signed myself up today um 
and I'm doing some more deep research on lean. I know about yeah. lean, yeah, not to practitioner level. Mm. So I've signed myself up for four or five hours of tuition. Yeah, actually similar to me because the RICS are allowing its members now to use some of its resources free whereas before it was charged for so i serve and and uh, the cpd staff uh, so i'll be dipping into that because they've got some really good trainings on there and that's that's really good for the rics to do that for its members so you know if you're an rics member listening in you know that's something you can do in a quiet time you can you know get cpd up up today do some self-development learn about areas that that of interest that that might be of interest to you ready for things to start up and no doubt there'll be there'll be some trainings on there around uh research on the current situation and that kind of thing so yeah so um okay so just before you go just a couple of things i wanted to talk about before we get on to how people can contact you in terms yeah. of professional services etc and uh a little bit light-hearted, but so that uh, people can kind of get to know you a little bit more and with your background. I'm going to just throw some random questions at you now. And um, so if you could have dinner with any famous person, who would it be? And where would it be? Uh, Antonio Gaudi. Mm-hmm. Barcelona. And why would you choose that one? Uh, I love wood. Love glass, um, amazing designer, yeah, and yeah, just inspiration. What what three things would you put in your bucket list? Uh, professional artist. I, I haven't got two more. <laughs> we can see where your passion is, Mark. Yeah. What's your favourite art then? Is that your favourite art then? Um, wood. Anything to do with wood sculpture. Yeah. Carving, turning, that sort of stuff. Mm. So. What would be your favourite holiday? Probably going to New Zealand for my fifth time. <laughs> <laughs> Ever so much for coming on the podcast. And so if viewers, listeners uh, wanted to get in touch with you, they want some advice around what you do around change control, yeah. wanted to get to know you, how can they get hold of you? Where they, could they connect with you? Uh, so the best place is LinkedIn. Um, it's Mark Austin. I'm on there. Um, people connect through. Uh, that's what I find is just a great resource. Um, and they're very supportive community. They just help each other. So that's my first bit. Uh, there is a website, which is austinwright.co.uk. Um, and, and that's really the best way. Well, thanks very much, Mark. And I hope you've all enjoyed listening to, to Mark and talking about change control and things he does. And this has been Stuart Davidson, the Construction Cashflow Show. Thanks for listening in. See you on the next podcast. Good night. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Mark.